Hello and welcome to the Jubitate podcast, your home for underreported topics of the day, where we try to mitigate the onslaught of unleashed progressivism, traversing the world, searching for sanity. Welcome to the Jubitate podcast. I'd like to welcome our guest, Dennis McCarthy. Dennis is a sort of renaissance man. He's an esteemed author, a former athlete, and an independent researcher. His statistical analysis of the current COVID-19 pandemic is a fascinating topic in its own right, and we might touch on that here and there today, or perhaps we'll have him on at a future date to dive deeply into the art and science of the numbers of this devastating virus. For today, in part one of our interview, we'll examine the politics of COVID-19. As noted, Dennis is an author and an independent researcher. His recent discovery of an important Shakespeare-related manuscript made the front page of the New York Times, as well as the London Times, The Telegraph, The Guardian, The Los Angeles Times, US News, and many other major news outlets around the world. He's also the author of the critically acclaimed Here Be Dragons, How the Study of Animal and Plant Distributions Revolutionized Our Views of Life and Earth, which was published by Oxford University Press. He is also one of the few researchers to have published papers in the leading journals of such diverse fields as geophysics, biogeography, and English literature. Dennis, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You're always up to something interesting. Any upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us? I have a book that's in the works that'll be coming out next year. And there's a book uh, on a subject that is very uh, close and dear to my heart, also written by uh, an investigative journalist. And it's going to be about me and this topic. And it all involves Shakespeare and his use of source material. And it's going to change the way we think uh, about Shakespeare, I believe. Oh, that's, that's about it. That's me. exciting. That's exciting. You'll You'll let us know when that happens, right? I definitely will. You're originally from Buffalo, New York, though you now reside in New Hampshire. That is right. Yeah. How how has your hometown been hit by the pandemic? Have you been keeping up with that? Yeah, it's not as bad. While New York State is the is really the epicenter of the world right now, uh, it's mostly New York City and uh, Western New York has not been hit anywhere near as bad as uh, as the eastern places in New York. Before COVID-19, we were gearing up for election season and, of course, the attendant politics. And it felt like that stopped for a few minutes, but then it quickly morphed into (laughs) COVID-19 related politics. And did you perceive it that way as well? Yes. uh, This is an election year. And so almost anything that happens, unfortunately, is going to be uh, looked, looked at through that prism of the red state, blue state of the politics behind it all. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, sometimes our site is obscured by current events. Were there politics being played in this pandemic? Or what I mean is, has it been historically different or on par with other such events in the past, do you think? During an election year, there's go- everything is going to be politicized. Uh, so I don't think that it's any more than any other any other type of event, I don't know if you remember, the hurricanes, everything's politicized. Since Trump is president and he is the most polarizing figure we've seen in many, many years, 
this has just become off the charts that every single thing uh, that we do regarding uh, this virus, no matter whether you're for uh, more opening up or staying at home, whether you're what, what cures you're for, all is seen as being either a pro-Trump or anti-Trump uh, type of type of viewpoint. And uh, that's very that's that's really not good because this has got to let the data read and the science uh, the science read and um, uh, that's not what's unfortunately that's not what's happening. Okay, so what might have been a highly politicized event actually took on a whole uh, another level based on the fact that uh, you know that Trump is the president. You think? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what was what was the nature of the politics in this lost spring of 2020? Like here in the U.S., what were the aims of both sides? Is there any way to describe that at the at the highest levels, or was it just a matter of the normal infighting and people trying to gain whatever leverage that they could? I think it was really more of infighting. Of course, um, the question is whether there's going to be single payer health care or universal health care. And so everything is kind of uh, pushing toward that end. And you'll see things in the newspapers that somehow this crisis would not have been as bad had we had this, you know, whatever system that they particularly prefer rather than some other system. The problem is that uh, it's very dangerous to try to look at the outcomes of this disease nation by nation or state by state and then say, oh, well, this uh, this particular healthcare system worked in defeating it. I don't think that really is effective uh, simply because it's uh, there are so many other factors that go into the to the spread and uh, danger of this this virus. Expanding on on that thought, what inferences do you think can be drawn from global politics? Do they match the U.S. politics of the left versus the right, or uh, are they of a different nature? Do you think uh, it's very interesting? Is that if you want uh, a Let's say if you are advocating for a total government takeover of healthcare, and you look at other uh, other nations uh, that are dealing with it, a lot of times they are not following the exact method that most scientists and most people on the left would prefer to follow. For example, Sweden is the most obvious case. They're the uh, nation that a lot of times uh, people on the left will hold up as as the nation that we should follow. And what they did was very minimal business closings, uh, in fact, really none. And they've, uh, you know, did some discouragements of crowds, but they've done what is normally considered here a red state approach. I don't think it was that effective. I think New York State had to shut down. But the point of the matter, but the point is that if you want a total government takeover of your healthcare system, and you want something like a Sweden or English model with the NHS, then you have to live with whatever decisions that they make. A lot of times people are thinking that when they say they want a full federal government, the federal government to make all the decisions on this crisis, they mean to make decisions that they agree with. If you're, you know, if you're with if with the Sweden model and the uh, NHS in England, they made a lot of decisions that uh, uh, many scientists and many people on the left do not agree with. So it sounds like what you're describing is essentially the underpinning of all that is is power, not a policy um, uh, decision. Is yes. that you would agree with that? Sure. What do you think about this um, entire debate about what to name uh, this virus? I mean, I think the uh, generally acceptable uh, convention is now COVID nineteen. 
I think more uh, specificity is gained with SARS-CoV-2, uh, but uh, uh, there was uh, an uproar about um, uh, Trump calling it the Chinese or the Wuhan virus. And now the San Antonio City Council is about to have a vote to classify Chinese virus, that phrase, as hate speech. So, but yeah. we, but we know that other such viruses have place names. So, and right. and that preceded this virus. So, do you find an issue with that, or I think it would be probably more sensitive just to call it something more generic? But what about the politics of that? Right, uh, and especially uh, whatever Trump does, of course, is going to become blown out of proportion. It's going to it's just going to go crazy, both uh, both with uh, supporters and uh, and the people who who oppose them. Uh, the problem is if there are, if there weren't so many idiots that will, um, uh, there's some been some racist attacks against Chinese people in the United States of America. And so continuously using that phrase could exacerbate that situation. So I understand that. And it's a sort of, a, um, I think it is more sensitive not to use it. It's not a phrase I would use the, um, uh, but you are right. Historically, Spanish flu, West Nile, uh, Zika, all all uh, the uh, viruses scientifically were named after, uh, you know, and used by scientists as the place of their place of their origin. But it's sometimes you're in a situation where uh, because of uh, a certain amount of idiots, it's just too it's just becomes too uh, uh, provocative to do that. OK, so it's it's more about. It being a dog whistle as opposed to inherently anything wrong with the name itself. Yeah, and it's not necessary that the people that people who have used that phrase are th- are trying to use it as a dog whistle. Or um, uh, Trump's always had an anti-China rhetoric in his uh, uh, for the last four years, and particularly when he's running. Uh, so it makes it, it, it's what it's predictable that he would start doing this, but. Um, yeah, I would prefer, I, I would choose uh, coronavirus or SARS. Um, hmm. Okay. COVID-19. Well, so that, that kind of segues into the next discussionary, which is about China. Now, do you have the impression that, you know, I've seen in the press, which is that, and, and I don't know if I, I've seen it said quite so uh, explicitly as this, but it seems that perhaps President Trump and Republicans may be more predisposed against China, whereas uh, the Democrats were more predisposed against Russia? Or again, is that just the underpinning of, 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 of um, politics and leverage as opposed to any inherent philosophical bent against a particular type of communism, for example? Yeah, no, it's all, everything over the last four years is Trump. Whatever position Trump takes, is going to suddenly become the position of his supporters, and just as quickly become uh, the uh, a position that's hated uh, by all all the opponents. It, it's it's uh, it was kind of odd to watch the total switch uh, with a lot of uh, you know a lot of re- Republicans. If you ever glance at Fox News, who were kind of supporting Russians, even saying kind things about Putin or or. Uh, uh, and you'll hear, uh, contrary-wise, a lot of jingoistic comments uh, attacking Russia, and this is over the last few years, 
from the left and, you know, because the uh, and a lot a lot of people I don't, uh, but a lot of people on the left do blame uh, Russia in part for giving Trump the election. And so they think they think their involvement in the in the election uh, was an you know is an act of war, and that's the, that's the phrase that they use. They use an act of war, and it sounds you know, and uh, it's very anti-Russian. And if you grew up in the '80s, you know that the the <laughs> politics was exactly the opposite. It was the uh, it was always uh, the Republicans who were rattling their sabers about Russia, whereas. Uh, uh, it was the left that was saying, "Calm down. Let's not believe in conspiracy theories. Let's, you know, they're they're just a nation like us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera." We're with Dennis McCarthy discussing the politics of COVID nineteen. We'll be back for a short break. Please visit jubitate.com for links and source material for this podcast. We welcome listener feedback and ideas for future shows. If you are a podcast host and would like to be cross-linked to your podcast please email info at dubitate.com. You're listening to the Dubitate podcast with our guest, Dennis McCarthy. Dennis, before the break, we were talking about the flip-flop of positions. Are these for the sake of convenience as they feel a bit contrived? Yeah, yeah the, uh, every, everyone's flip-flopped. They, they, they flip-flopped on, uh, on trade. And, uh, and Republicans are never for tariffs or for... Uh, you know, for these punishing uh, taxes coming in, and uh, and now you see, you'll see someone like uh, Tucker Carlson will be supporting tariffs, and <laughs> and th- that's just a position he never held prior to 2016. It's it's nuts. So it would be, I mean, this world would be unrecognizable to somebody, forget about 20 years ago, but even <laughs> as as near as 10 years ago or five years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. On a lot of positions, even uh, even immigration, uh, a lot of Republicans, you can find uh, old debates between Ronald Reagan and uh, George Bush Sr., in which are both, you know, bending over backwards to be supportive of uh, immigration on the part of uh, Mexican families trying to come in and very sensitive topics that, would, you know, that you would you could even hear today being said um, uh, at a Democratic debate. And now that's totally changed. That's totally changed um, with uh, with Trump coming in. Yeah. The well, uh, getting back to China for a second, the rumors do abound about the source of the virus. And on one side, you know, there's the the claim that it uh, originated in a in a Chinese lab or wet market. And I think the you know there's some. Uh, vigorous debate about the Chinese lab aspect of it. But on the other hand, uh, there was an accusation that was brought, that that, that that the virus was brought to China by U.S. military personnel, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and that China, I want to read a, a tweet. The Chinese foreign ministry spokesman, uh, Zhao Lijian, said that it's the U.S. that lacks transparency. <laughs> and all the way back to March 12th, he made the following tweet, and I'll read it. When did patient zero begin in the U.S.? How many people are infected? What are the names of the hospitals? It might be, and and, and I recognize that I'm I'm reading something that might come directly from 1984, (laughs) but I'll continue here. And it might be the U.S. Army who brought the epidemic to Wuhan. Be transparent, make public your data, U.S. owe us an explanation. (laughs) And that's what Zhao wrote. So given what we know so far, what should our relationship with China be? Yes, well, that's right. 
this just goes to show that uh, that uh, other nations can be just as jingoistic and chauvinistic or, or and even more so than the United States of America. They have their trumps as well. And uh, right. And they're tr- they're trying to blame the U.S. And in fact, I think if you check the dates, uh, that's pretty much when Trump really started uh, talking about the Chinese uh, virus, et cetera, and was doing it kind of to uh, stoke China. But also, I think he has a animal like cunning and that he sees that there's there's a lot to play here and he could get uh, his base riled up uh, in, in a war, uh, in a in a uh, anti-China movement, which would help uh, which would help him politically. But uh, uh, yeah, China has acted. Uh, communist China has acted disgracefully in this uh, uh, in this entire issue, and they've covered it up for a while, and uh, much to the detriment of the world. But uh, there are a lot of Chinese heroes on the ground, Chinese scientists and the Chinese doctors and nurses that were fighting it, and the uh, people that were uh, suffering through it. And so uh, they were as much of victims of the uh, of the Chinese Communist Party decisions as uh, as uh, as was as was the world. But our relationship, we should be, you know, I think we should be trying to open up trade. I think we should not. We should be very concerned that China is an extremely uh, is still extremely territorial and uh, is building their military. But we shouldn't. I don't think we should be as much concerned about their economic progress. Uh, I think uh, the world becomes safer when nations become richer. And uh, and so if the people become, if Chinese people start to become more, uh, uh, more wealthy, uh, they start to uh, develop more enlightened attitudes. This is typically what you find throughout the world. And, uh, and, Nations that aren't as desperate and have more to lose at war rarely go into them. So I think we could defuse hostilities if uh, this is after the virus. If we have if we resume trade and normal trade and become an important trading partner with China rather than uh, aggressive, uh, aggressive militaristic uh, buildup. You've said some uh, fascinating things there. One of them. I guess is a sidebar to this, but uh, you, you talked about uh, President Trump being able to seize upon, you know, some rich material and and, and poke people. Uh, do you think that's by design, or do you think he stumbles into it, or what's your feeling about that? Sam Sam Harris refers to him as a malignant Chauncey Gardner. Chauncey Gardner is the uh, guy from being there who becomes. Uh, a very powerful person, even though he knows nothing, uh, and it just it just coincidentally says the things. I believe his, I believe what occurs, and I've thought about this. I never believed he was playing three dimensional chess, in which that's what's oh he's so smart and he's doing he's saying just the right things and he's and he's disguised his language. I think he just so perfectly reflects a kind of um, uh, hostile, primitive, chauvinistic viewpoint that his language and his bravado and his comments uh, cues certain type of people into thinking, okay, this is a strong man that will protect us. 
And I think it's more uh, a, an accident. And uh, and I think it's because he is because he was saying whatever the hell he wanted in 2016. He just realizes, OK, they like whatever I think and whatever I'm saying. This is what his base likes. And so he just keeps doing it. And um, so I think it's more um, uh, lucky that he kinds of he kind of thinks like the people who are voting for him. And uh, and it's not any more uh, thought out than that. So it's 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 a happy coincidence that for him that he has that synergy with folks. I mean, it just happened that way, do you think? Because that's yeah. that's what that sounds like. So in other words, there's going to be a certain amount of people and one of the pe- a certain amount of people running for president. One of the people is going to more accurately reflect the view t- the viewpoints of the um, of the most amount of people of the populace. And the things that they're saying are going to trigger certain emotional responses that will make them favor that person as a leader than another. And um, I think he just had those characteristics rather than him designing something to, you know, carefully designing his words. Because, I mean, he just goes out. It's just amazing if you, you know, you just watch, unlike any other politician ever, he just goes out and wings it. He doesn't even, back when he was doing his rallies, he's just saying whatever, whatever uh, comes into his mind. And he's so sure about this that he'll ad lib as he's, you know, as, you know, as I'm sure his handlers are trying to get him to say something rational and sane and coherent and eloquent that, you know, they write things for him, but he'll just stop in the middle of sentence and just say things in, in the middle of the sentence and just go off. And, um, and none of it is hurting politically, really. I mean, um, no matter, no matter what he says and, uh, you know, he doesn't drop below 40 really. uh, percent in terms of approval. It's, it's astounding. I think it's, it is, uh, obvious, when he's reading a prepared script <laughs> and when he's not. And, and I think yeah. that there have been a couple of instances where he's been, you know, censured or, or at least reined in a little bit by his team. And, and then you can tell the next day what that he, speech looks like. <laughs> right. right, right. And then it'll come out again and just, yeah. So what about, what do you, th- going back to China and encouraging trade, what about medical manufacturing? Should should pharma's be charged to take that production out of China so that we're not dependent? Or do you think that's a part of the whole, you know, the trade and the economics will take care of all things? Well, I would encourage, I would encourage if there's certain uh, uh, sensitive necessary materials in times of crises that we would definitely need to, uh, to not be necessarily dependent on, uh, on a nation that is as mercurial <laughs> as China and testy as China can get. Um, so, so you, while having trade and things like that, it might be good to also have, um, uh, other sources for materials that are particularly needed in crisis situations. You've been listening to part one of our interview with Dennis McCarthy. Join us again for our next episode, which will feature part two of this interview. We thank you for listening and for supporting us. Please visit jubitate.com for links and source material for this podcast. We welcome listener feedback and ideas for future shows.
you are a podcast host and would like to be cross-linked to your podcast, please email info at jubitate.com. Until next time, when we once again traverse the world, searching for sanity.